Welcome to an emergency episode of Proper Foul. I'm your co-host, Francisco. Alongside with me here, we have George. George? How's everyone doing tonight? Um, Well, I think I can answer that for all of us. Not a good night for us. Not a good day. Not a good morning. Yeah, Uh, we're all here very much mourning, mourning the loss of Mexico. The reason for this emergency podcast, Mexico bowed out of the World Cup in the group stage for the first time since 1978. The first time in our lifetime. How do you feel, George? Honestly, I don't know if I feel disappointed, but also I feel like before the World Cup, this is what we kind of expected. We didn't have a good coaching staff, and it all started down from that. And I mean, 44 years since uh, the last time that we didn't make a, that we didn't get out of the group stage. I mean, it's pretty embarrassing, you know, but uh, what can we do now? Too late to go back and change anything. What's done is done, and we are out of the World Cup. Yeah, you said you anticipated this, but if you play back the first episode, you strongly believed Mexico was getting out of this group. If I remember correctly, you said Mexico and Poland were getting, or it might have yeah. been Mexico and Argentina, but I was correct. And we'll get into that on Friday when we record our round of 16 preview. We very much saw today a Mexico team that, had some fucking balls, if you ask me. We're playing yeah. with fucking dignity, which we should have been playing with since, I don't fucking know, Poland. We all knew that if we were going to move on from this group, we had to beat Poland because we knew we weren't going to beat Argentina. Yeah, so you are, you're only guaranteed three games. And I would think that maybe um, when the players come onto the pitch for the first game, you would expect them to come out with that same urgency that they came out today. They showed urgency today. We can't, we can't, we can't expect to win a group in one game. Yeah, the first half of this game, Mexico, for once, played a great half. Yeah, they hadn't played a half like this, and I don't know how long. Showed a lot of what a player like Orbelín Pineda could have done for us, because as in my eyes, he was the best player on the pitch up until they subbed him out. Just the subs, like always, were questionable. Um, you take out Henry Martin, you bring in, you take out Henry Martin that scored. You bring in arguably Mexico's worst number nine in God knows how long, Raul Jimenez. You take out Orbelín Pineda. Um, you bring in, I don't even know who we brought in for him, but Funes Mori saw the field. Yeah. And it was like, you're going to bring him on for the last 10 minutes of a deciding game where he hasn't played and God knows how long. Messi didn't help us neither. It could have mm-hmm. been because of that Canelo tweet or whatever. Earlier on in the week, he heard, he saw Canelo's tweet and was very much like, eh, fuck Mexico. I believe he leads the uh, the World Cup record for most penalties missed in the World Cup. I think he's missed a total of five. So not my goat, you know, but a lot of other people here. You know, think otherwise. But anyways, um, with the Mexico game, how did you um, how did you see the lineup? Because obviously, they lined up very differently this game. And even though Andy Martin did score, I will shout out Andy Martin because uh, Luis is giving me shit about it. So shout out Luis, shout out Andy Martin. This how they lined up today is what truly works with with Andy Martin or with the actual real number nine because. 
We saw him against, it was the first game against Iraq. We saw him against Sweden and the way they were lined up with Vega and Lozano up top as the, the wingers and then Eddie Martin to the middle, but no supporting cast right up the middle. It just didn't work out for him, you know? I feel like with this, when you have, when you line up with Cam pretty much and uh, with the number nine, it definitely does help out the forward just because, you know, he's not having to constantly come back and run back because at that point you're pretty much running with false nine. So I feel like this formation was literally our best lineup. My boy Edson Alvarez was in there, you know, looking like damn prime Rafa Marquez defending, you know. And... Yeah, I mean it. It was great. Um, I honestly, though, I didn't see a lot from Vega. No. I feel like I, yeah, I feel like the the gameplay was more up the middle because now you have a cam, you could push ball forward, and you obviously have uh, Edson Alvarez who can cover there. So you know, Orbelin Pineda doesn't really have to come back as much just because you know you have a reliable Edson Alvarez defending there if things get tough. Yeah, I mean. Great overall lineup, great game by them. This is something we needed to see to give us hope for the future. But, I mean, Tata Martino's out, like you said, and it's time to restart the cycle all over again. It's just, I don't know, it's just it's frustrating at, at this point. And, I mean, obviously, like, you know, you tried, you tried against Argentina. You had Kevin Alvarez, he played a great game. And, I mean, it was, it's between Kevin Alvarez and Jorge Sanchez. And even with this lineup, Kevin Alvarez could have easily switched in for Jorge Sanchez. So that's, you know, that's not bad. But having Chavez and having Edson Alvarez right behind the midfield line is perfect, especially for Alvarez. I feel like Chavez kind of pushes the ball a little bit forward. Alvarez drops back, obviously, to defend in that because that's his job, you know. And then you have, they put him always on the right side just because it's where uh, Sanchez or Kevin Alvarez are. So just in case they go up top, he can drop down as a defender and cover, you know. But, I mean... The stats may not show it. That's when I've played a great game. I mean, he always does. He's a starter. Yeah. He's a starter. You know, he's a starter in the East with Ajax. He's a starter in Champions. I mean, this guy is a 90-minute player, you know? He's a 90-minute player the, that shouldn't get subbed off, and he got subbed off, right? Yeah. And when he got subbed off, it's a couple minutes later, uh, Saudi Arabia's goal came. Yeah. You know? And... Obviously, we can't go back to the Argentina game, but whatever. But honestly, I'll tell you this. If you bring in Edson Alvarez and sub him in uh, for Hector Herrera up, right up the middle, or for Guardado, whoever, I think Guardado is playing up the middle. If you sub in Edson Alvarez, Messi doesn't score that goal. And I believe, I, I tell you this now, I think that game ends in a tie. The game probably doesn't end in a tie, but at least Argentina for sure only scores one. At, at max, at max. <laughs> Yeah, but... Which would have helped us at the end of it. Yeah. And... But the reason I say, though, that um, that our Argentina, I don't think, would have would have scored is because Argentina didn't create offense. Yeah, but they got that. They, you know? I mean, there's, there's, there's no amount of defense that could stop Argentina from scoring that second goal. Just because it was from a set piece. Uh, it was a ridiculous shot. Like, there's no the defense. Second, the second goal? The second goal, yeah. The second, the second goal, goal by Enzo, uh, Enzo Fernandez. No, it was a corner. It was a counterattack. Uh, I, be- I thought it was a corner. Mexico put Mexico pushed up on the when they threw everything forward, trying to like get something in. Yeah, it was a counterattack. So obviously you, sure? you would have. Yeah, promise you. I'm searching. It I'm telling right now, you. I'm telling you. You didn't watch the game. Yes, I did. Anyways, for the real people that actually watched uh, Mexico game, you know, like us, the rest of us. 
Us Dons. St. Laurent Dons. Fuck you. I was right, bitch. Came off a corner. The goal? The second goal. Enzo Fernandez's goal came off a corner. Fuck you. I did watch the game. Suck oh, it did dick. come off a fucking corner, you huh? Dumb fuck. Yeah. Fuck you. Okay, okay. But who would have been there? N- d- bro, it's not hold on, the hold tallest on, player. Hold on. Hold on. It's not this is the tallest player. He'd be in the middle. Yes, but he 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 would be. They played it off a the, corner. They played a short pass yes, off the corner. Yes, yes they yes, they pulled yes, the FIFA yes, goal. Yes, my yes, FIFA yes, goal. Yes, they yes, pulled yes, my yes. FIFA goal. Either way, that goes in. It was a golazo. But I honestly, I I, I feel like Alvarez would have been able to get there, or at least he would have defended somebody more, so another player could have gone out to get him. At the end of the day, it, it is. Yeah, it's yeah, a goal. That it's you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't have. I don't think not even Edson Alvarez would have been able to stop that goal. Nobody. I would think. Have. I think. I think if you had him in there, I think it would have been a different story. But realistically, you know, and I understand you're fanboying over Messi and over Argentina and all that. <laughs> but let, let's let's be real now. Let's, let's be, be real, real here. Let's be real here. Let, let's be. Edson real. Alvarez is not. Doesn't make a difference on that on that second goal. Edson Alvarez won't make okay. a difference on that second Argentina goal. Okay. Well, it would have made it would have made a difference if you had him in there because we we don't know the possibilities that would have came out honestly. So we can't really yeah. speak on a situation that never happened. So it could have been a goal. It so, could have. Who knows. The first, I, I I agree. Messi's first goal probably first wouldn't one, have wouldn't have happened if yeah, Edson no. was in there. Wouldn't have happened because Edson yeah. would have been just on him, marking him. Yeah. Um, second goal probably still happens, and <sighs> well, Mexico you know, our Mexico loses one zero, yes. and today when Mexico goes up two zero and Argentina goes up two zero, Tata Martino gets word and he plays defensive and we don't get Saudi Arabia to score on us and we move on. That's yeah. just another uh, but, just made up scenario, yeah. but yeah, yeah. But either way, with that, honestly, I uh, we can't even say that goal would have uh, gone in the second one just because our our no. Like, think about it. Re- be realistic now. I'm being Argent- realistic. Okay, at this point, zero zero. Argentina's gonna obviously attack different, try to win the game. So we wouldn't even know that if that if that chance would have been created because they would have attacked maybe differently. You understand, okay, George? That. All right. Well, let, let's just. Keep the game as it was. If we keep everything as it is, it, Messi doesn't make the first goal against Mexico. The second goal, I think, still goes in because, I mean, no one's mm. stopping that. No one's stopping that. The only person stopping that is Carlos Acevedo. Point in case. Jesus Christ, the meat <laughs> writing is getting outrageous, man. This game, it yeah. was all there for Mexico to move on. I was watching it up 2-0. And I was telling myself, it's going to fucking happen. It's going to fucking happen only to get our hearts ripped out by Saudi Arabia. I have one last hot take here. I had an old friend hit me up. uh, Shout out Manny Fates. And he had a proper take on uh, the reason why Mexico lost today. And this is a very hot take. It's going to burn some people. That's how hot it is. It's Chucky Lozano's fault. Chucky Lozano had this whole tournament. No le tenía confianza a sus jugadores. He didn't trust any of the players around him. And so any opportunity where Chucky Lozano had a chance to possibly get through a back line and score, that's all he saw. That's all he saw. He didn't see his options either to the left, to the right, in front, or behind him. I remember on one play against Argentina, he was up with Alexis Vega. It was a two-on-three. Two defenders ran to Chucky, who had the ball. They closed him down. And instead of giving the simple pass to Alexis Vega, who was... On goal, who if he would have given the ball to him, would have been on goal. He decided to keep the ball, and they got it taken away. I remember that play specifically. There's a couple more today where there was Luis Chavez 
would have probably scored the goals we needed. And uh, yeah, just a proper take on uh, one of the reasons why Mexico lost today. As much as I hate to say it, it it's true. Just because, um, I don't know, with, with Napoli, I don't see him, you know, going forward that much. Uh, with Napoli, he's more of a uh, supporting player. He's more of an assist, you know, more of get the ball up, get it to the open man. Yeah, he scores. But his his main, as a, as a proper winger is, you give it to you. You force the play up for a number nine. You know what I mean? That's what a, that's what a proper winger does. And I feel like he does that great with Napoli. But here he tried just being a striker, a nine, just being the one man just show. To score. Yeah, yeah. And you know, that's what that's what hurt us at the end. And yeah, and I mean, he even uh, he took one of the free kicks away from um, what's his name from Luis Travis. Yeah. He took one of the one of the free kicks away from him, and he smacked it right against the damn wall. Yep, nothing, you know. And I mean, man, Luis Chavez. That first, that's uh, that second goal he scored. Whew. It it was literally that had no business going in. None. That was at least what thirty meters out. Yeah. What the it fuck was, is a meter? Was, this is America, motherfucker. Uh, fuck you. <laughs> Yeah, no, it it was it was literally it was it was you know, it was like at least thirty meters out, if not further out. Or for you um, football fans, it had to have been at least what thirty five yards. Yeah, you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't right outside the box, and the one right outside the box, he almost put it um, to the goalie's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, one, the one he blocked out. Yeah, and then he had that other yep. one where yep. he where he probably I mean I wouldn't say Lucius would have scored. But he would have had definitely a better chance at scoring than Chucky. Just yeah. for Chucky to slam against the wall. I think I think Luis Chavez just on this game alone takes it for uh Mexico's breakout player of the tournament, even though it's short lived, yeah. three games. But Luis Chavez showed a lot of great things today and uh I'm excited for his future. Hopefully we see some greatness out of him for years to come. Because isn't he young? He's young, right? He's not young. Oh unfortunately. Fuck. Never mind. Yeah. Never mind. I was uh, listening to a uh, two of things. Uh, I I've been, I've been looking doing looking a lot of videos, doing a lot of research, whatever. Right, Javier Javier Right. Um, I was actually looking at him, and he was he was he came on the air. But it's a show with him, and then La Volpe, and uh, what's his name, Osorio, the one that coached twenty uh, eighteen. Juan Carlos Osorio. Yeah, Juan Carlos Osorio, and then Javier Aguirre. and he was pretty much saying. We have all these people in the Mexican Federation and the higher ups, right? Because realistically, as much shit as we give to Tata, he's not the one making the calls. The calls, the calls are, are uh, the the only person who's really making the calls, Yonel Luisa, the Me- the owner of the Mexican Federation, and then the um, Ascaraga family, which is Televisa. You know, La Rosa de Guadalupe. Yeah. As as much as much shit as we give Tata, oh fuck you this, fuck you that, you lost the game for Argentina. He questionable calls, but he did what he did his job, you know. He did what what Yonda Luisa wanted him to do, play whoever he wanted him to play. And I honestly, I don't think he actually got to coach how he wanted to coach. Well, no, you can't when uh, you're being suppressed by someone above you. You really can't coach the way you want to coach if you're not being able to call up the players you want to call up. 
Exactly. And because um, we, were, we were talking about this the other day um, because it's like this guy's coached at Barcelona. He failed at Barcelona. Okay. Okay. But he still got the job at Barcelona, right? Sure. Yeah. Right. Did I he? Mean, yes or no? Did, did, he got the yes job. No? Yes, he got the job. Did, did he get hired? Yes or no? Yes, he got hired by okay. FC Barcelona, right. who right. ever since Pep Guardiola has made questionable coaching hires. Okay, well, we're this isn't a Barcelona. This is a this isn't a messy fanboy podcast, you know. So a messy meat podcast. A messy meat maybe we, podcast. Maybe we should we, maybe we should take that up to the producers over at the Plaza to see if they uh, <laughs> see if they give us the green light on one of these messy meat writing podcasts. Yeah, I'll go no. off for hours. I'll go yeah, off for I hours. I know, I know. You can you can write you can write off on him and suck him off for hours, huh? <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah, yeah. No, but um, he he did get the job at Barcelona. He got hired as a coach at Barcelona. So, like, obviously, this guy's not an idiot. You don't see damn Pio Herrera getting the job at Barcelona. You don't see Benjamin Galindo getting the job at uh, Barcelona. This guy can't be that bad if he's getting jobs, I mean, with one of the, one of the most popular um, football teams in the world. One of the most successful ones, too. I mean, they are, they're not Los Galacticos. They're not Real Madrid. They're not, you know, they don't but win. They were, but they were, they were Luis Suarez, Messi, and Neymar, and he didn't win shit. Short-lived, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're not the big team like, you know, they're opposing uh, the rival Madrid is, you know, and all that. But that's in a different story. But I mean, this guy's still, getting to the point, this guy's still getting called up to coach these big teams. You're, talk- you're basically me writing Tata Martino right now because you no. think... You think that, oh, he coached a great team of Barcelona, got hired by Barcelona, got hired by Argentina. Um, it's not his no, fault. No, no, it's all, it's all Televisa's fault, which it is. But and the, Luisa. And Luisa. Yeah. 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 It, it, it is that it is Martino's fault. Yeah. And no, I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I, I don't go out there meat writing like other people do in this <laughs> podcast, you know. But fact of the matter is, this guy's obviously has been called for a reason. You know what I mean? So he he's not horrible coach. He I will tell you though, he had a horrible spell with Mexico, but even if you do look at the records, the, his record is surprisingly not bad. But obviously he lost us the biggest game of his damn career or not his damn career cuz that probably could have been Barcelona ages. Um but he did lose the biggest game for the biggest game Mexico. of this era of this, this Mexico's yeah. era, this Mexico yeah. era. Tata had sixty six matches with Mexico. Sixty six matches, he won surprisingly forty two. He drew twelve, and only lost twelve. Yeah, and even with Barcelona. As much shit as you give him, and I don't know, it's kind of making me question what you were watching. But with Barcelona, yeah, well, you, they it's might hard to fuck it. that up. It's hard to fuck <sighs> that up. Well, you're with saying Barcelona? he was shit with. You're saying he was shit with Barcelona. He didn't win shit. All he won was what a Copa del Rey. Okay, but I mean, that's just because the the players can't produce in the final. And listen. But with his record with Barcelona, out of 59 matches, he won 40, drew 11, and only lost eight. 
Because literally three minutes ago, you're saying he's a shit coach, and now that, oh, you can't fuck this up. I don't know. There's no way you can fuck it up. Like, oh, you're just saying he did. Well, yeah, because you're playing against the best damn team. Oh, my God. Come on, guy. You have Messi, Neymar, and Suarez, the trio that won the treble that year in 2015, and you couldn't win La Liga? You're over here meet writing Tata Martino like if he fucking no, just I'm took not. you into the round of 16. Oh, I he's mean, a great coach. He his, did. his record wasn't he did. bad. His record actually, wasn't bad with Mexico. No, actually, Gobble, he did. He did. I, you know, I can't hear you with Tata Martino's dick in your mouth. Really? Because I actually have a video of you sucking off Messi a couple of days ago on the podcast. But. <laughs> Back to the reason why Mexico lost. Yes. Um, It all started off with the roster yes the players that got snubbed yes you know watching these last two games of Ochoa I'll go even as far as to Acevedo should have started and I'll tell you this um Cristian Martinoli shout out him even though he probably won't watch this from TV Azteca nah we'll send it to him we'll send it to him yeah we'll send him a clip and be like oh here here you shout it out shout out Cristian Martinoli Martino said this on an interview. Ochoa was called up to the World Cup, obviously because of his name, right? And then also because Televisa wants to do some type of show with him or something after. God knows what. but Or wants him to be like, you know, one more of like the broadcasters. Probably more like a Michael Jordan last dance. If It, it makes sense. It would make sense. Or like a Charles Barkley or, or Shaq on TNT. You know what I mean? Like that type of Oh, that's of, you know it. Okay. I mean? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like, you know, just be like on the, on the, on the show. Yeah, and uh, that's that's the main reason they they called him up because they they want him they want him to show off one year so he, he has a fame. They were hoping he had a good World Cup to have that fame to show off on Televisa. But if you because what he also said, quote him, cuando sale Ochoa, Ochoa Ochoa no sabe cómo achicar. Whenever there's a shot, if you always see, and I started watching a couple clips, and it makes sense. Whenever whenever someone shoots. Like a ball from anywhere, like from far, right? He's like, in the in the tomar dos pasos para lado que viene el balón. So let's say the ball's going to the right. Instead of taking two steps and then jumping, se tira donde está, no llega el balón. And then also, shout out uh, Luis for this fact, but he is also the most scored Mexican goalkeeper of all time. Shout out Luis. Yeah, shout out Luis. Lots of facts, but um. I mean, shout out Cristiano Martinoli for all that too, but it, it makes sense because if you if you watch him, he just jumps from wherever he's at, and even if he's on the left side of the post, the shots coming to the right, he jumps like an idiot and doesn't get there. Yeah. So, you know, to say he's the best Mexican goalkeeper, no. Acevedo. I I don't know about that. It's a very hard take. Acevedo, who's yeah. the best Mexican goalkeeper if it's not Ochoa? Acevedo. Uh, what's his name? The one, uh, the one that went to the nine nine confederations with the colorful oh, jerseys. Oh, you're, way? You're, oh, Jorge Campos. Yeah, yeah, yeah that motherfucker's the yeah. best Mexico goalkeeper. That's probably the Mexico. Thought, you know, I thought I thought you meant of right now. Oh, right now, yeah, no, probably Acevedo. Oh, Acevedo easily. Yeah, yeah how Acevedo. how how Instagram said cota val, cota ni vale tres kilos de verga. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
Uh, that, that was hilarious. But no, it, it, it's true what Cristian Martinoli said. He, he jumps wherever the hell he's from. And instead of, you know, he yeah, he makes these saves. But these saves only look good because of his horrible positioning. Instead of taking a step forward and just making a regular ass save, saving his body. Nah, there he goes, flying like a damn fucking idiot. Yeah. But yeah, Acevedo should have started the World Cup. Acevedo is the best Would Mexican goalkeeper right now. The perfect moment to start him at the age of 24. Fucking starting in your first World Cup. Like, hey, yeah. we're, we suck ass, but get your fucking yeah. reps in, kid. Yeah. And then um, back to back to Televisa and everything. And uh, Yon de Luisa. Um, what Aguirre was saying. All these guys in, up in the Mexican Federation, the committee, whatever. You know, the higher ups. All these guys are great businessmen, but not one of them knows soccer. You you can't have someone who doesn't know football at the higher up levels. We think of the Dodgers, director of baseball, uh, Andrew Friedman. He's been under the Rays organization. They bring the, the they bring these people in who actually know the game of baseball, not just some idiot who you know, who studied in, in a damn classroom, who knows business. They bring in people who actually know the game. He spent time in the in the Rays organization, building up from the scouting department all the way up until making his way up till now, director of bas- uh, baseball operations for the Dodgers. But same thing for Mexico. Why can't we do that? We don't have anybody who actually knows football up in the higher-ups, and that's what's fucking us up. Think about every other country who's tried winning a World Cup. A World Cup isn't a four-year plan. A World Cup sometimes is an eight-year plan. And it all starts from the development from the lower leagues. Right now, I think I think I was looking. We're out of the uh, the under-17 World Cup. We got eliminated. The uh, Los Juegos Olímpicos, we're eliminated. We're not even going. So it's like, how are we going to develop? When the likes of Giovanni Los Santos, Carlos Vela, and um, Jonathan Los Santos, that great 2005 team that won in Peru. Was it in Peru? 2005 when they won the World Cup? Whatever. All these players were developed because they came out through the under-17. If we have no development, how are we going to get players out? You know? But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's more for the Mexican Federation, it's more of a business move, try to make money, than to actually develop players and actually win a World Cup. Because a World Cup, isn't a, it's, it's an eight-year plan sometimes. To try to get ahead, have these players develop for that World Cup. It's like the U.S. is doing it right now. Yeah, 2018, the U.S. missed out on it, but you know they had a plan for 2022. Yeah, they they, and I, I wouldn't even say for 2022. I feel like 2022, their plan wasn't. They're they're obviously into the next round, but I don't think their plan was to win it all in 2022. I think their plan they had planned uh for eight, as they said again eight years eight year plan for 2026 when it comes here to have these players fully developed just because these players are so young. You know what I mean? Mexico is not going to pro- progress football-wise until they get up, out, under from the likes of Televisa and how we were talking about earlier, uh, apparently how that FBI scandal with the with FIFA. and the now FB, uh, FIFA gate. FIFA gate and now how uh, it seems to be as how Mexico is now enslaved by the U.S. Yeah. to participate in all CONCACAF competitions and make CONCACAF their priority instead of what used to be yeah, um, how they were invited to all the CONMEBOL competitions. Yeah. 
And for those of you who don't know, um, FIFA Gate was when um, when high elected officials Joseph Platter, um, all these guys literally got banned for for years just because of the corruption that was going on. The not I don't know about the money laundering, but there was a lot of uh, money accusations. Being yeah. accusations money being moved around and pretty much it makes sense because the fbi obviously came out after came out looking for you know um who to blame and <clears throat> that could be another reason as to why the world cup is in 2026 in the u.s because i feel like fifa was like all right we'll shut up we'll shut you guys we'll give you guys a world cup but just shut up don't bring any more bad press to us and we'll you know boom and think about it the whole scandal literally went away as soon as it announced that the u.s is getting the world cup the u.s mexican canada were getting the world cup boom scandal goes away but yeah. pretty much when the fbi was investigating do we really think mexico had no corruption mexico is one of the most corrupt countries when it comes to higher-ups and we really think the Mexican Federation had no corruption. Mexico, Mexican Federation is full of corruption. But U.S. Soccer Federation probably, and um, I don't know what the report was called, but I read an article about this. I saw a video about it too. Mex, uh, the U.S. Soccer Federation pretty much came to the Mexican Soccer Federation and was like, hey, get out. Uh, we won't throw your name under the bus because obviously Mexico brings a lot of revenue for U.S. soccer also. Their main supplier, I feel like their main supplier of U.S. revenue, revenue is, is from Mexico. Mexico teams. It yeah. is, yeah, it's Mexico. It's from the That's Mexican Federation, yeah. Yeah. So they're pretty much like, hey, we won't throw you guys under the bus. Just cut off ties with Conanbol. No more Copa, Copa Sudamericana, no more Copa Libertadores, and all that stuff. You cut that out, and now you only focus on what? The Nations, CONCACAF Nations League, and then the Gold Cup, obviously. And think about it. Mexico plays all their friendlies where? In the U.S.? You're Mexico. That's like Spain playing in Portugal all their games. Why Why would you do that? Mexico literally plays every game between LA, Atlanta, Dallas, and Arizona. And, and they, have, they have the greatest cover-up. The, U, the U.S. has the greatest cover-up saying, oh, most of your fan base, a lot of your fan base is over here anyways. So, You know, yeah, they do have a large following here because we do have, I think it was 55 million Mexicans here in the U.S., but I mean, you're telling me there's not that many Mexicans in Mexico? There's you know? more money to be yeah. spent here. For yeah, sure. No, the there, Mexicans there, there, here. There definitely is. But I mean, until we get a change of plan from the Federation down to the players, any coach that comes in is going to fail. Because there is no set plan to win a World Cup. There is no set, uh, set plan to... Um, to develop players and i mean what can you do it's honestly since four i feel like 14 it's kind of just been going down um it's eight years and we we don't see any changes we don't there's see no progress and, there is absolutely no. no progress being made there's absolutely nothing and what can you do uh it just seems like this is going to be the new norm a mediocre yeah. team out of Concacaf called mexico yeah. is going to come into the world cup just disappoint and Start it all up over again. Yeah. So we're moving on. Um, Mexico, we got to look forward to the next World Cup, although there's really not much to look forward to. George has uh, some insight on who the next uh, potential coaches might be. George? Insider news from a very trusted uh, source, journalist. One of my boys, you know. 
Um, shout out David, fight this one because you know we go way back with boys. <laughs> Anyways, the two front runners right now for head coach. For those of you who love an Argentinian head coach coaching Mexico, Gustavo Alfaro, the Ecuador head coach, which he's not bad because he did a pretty good job with Ecuador. Yeah, he did a good job at qualifying them. He did a good job. And, and, and the World then, Cup, he played a good yeah, he, he yeah, job. Yeah, he, he, it, was, it was solid. <clears throat> and the biggest surprise, Mauricio Pochettino. Who was just, uh, I believe his last job was from uh, PSG. Um, great style. He has great fashion sense for Mauricio Pochettino. You know, that's that scarf really helps him out that that long coat, you know? He looks, he looks. Do you think, like, you think he wears it because he might have a double chin under there? No, I think he's just cold as hell in France. So, mm. or he, when he was at PSG, you know? Yeah. But yeah, Mauricio, Mauricio uh, Pochettino. And then the, um, what's his name? The Ecuadorian head coach. Um, Gustavo Alfaro. The only thing is, good coaches. They're both Argentinian, though. Speaking of Argentinian coaches, uh, yeah, it just goes back to that Televisa fucking mindset of very much, oh, whatever's from Argentina, great. Let's get it. Look how that turned out. Look how that yeah. turned out. Um, yeah. In my eyes, and I don't know... I don't know what uh, Guillermo Almada's deal with is with Pachuca. I think he just got he just got, uh, got an a contract now. extension. I yeah. believe so. I heard that from you. Um, but Guillermo, I mean, if it was Pio Herrera having this run with any Mexican team that Guillermo Almada's had the past year, the past two years, bro, he, he's made three of the last four um, Liga Mekis finals. He's made. And, he, and, he's and, and if two? it was, he's won one. One. Yeah. He lost with Santos in 2021, Clausura. He made the Clausura 2022 with Pachuca, lost that one, and then finally won this past yeah. season. But if it was a coach like Pio Herrera having this run, oh, he'd be the first one to get called up. Like Mexico, Mexico wouldn't even have given Tata Martino a flight back to wherever the fuck he's going. They would have just mm-hmm. told. Get hop on. An option to explore Mexico. I mean, maybe buy him out of his Pachuca clause, but I really love that man. So look into him. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, I feel like he'd he'd be a better fit than as you know as he plays proper Mexican football, bro. And and I mean, I would love to have you know the likes of. Jose Mourinho, Pep Guardiola, Mauricio Pochettino, whatever, right? These big-time coaches, you know, from PSG to whatever the hell they, they're from. But none of them understand Mexican football. They don't understand Liga Mekis, where it's all developing from. Armada, actually, Pachuca, he's been there for a while. How, how long? Because his first job in Mexico was with Santos, right? Yeah, his first job with Mex- in Mexico was with Santos in 2019. He was with Santos for two years, and then in 2021, in the Apertura, he started with Pachuca. Yeah. So he knows he knows the league. He knows the talent. He he uh he gave a bunch of young stars from San. He gave uh not Gerardo Tiaga, um I'm blanking on his name. He gave Omar Campos uh his start. He gave Acevedo his start. He gave just a bunch of players from Santos their their debut and. 
Should be. Should be. I mean, he showed up, developed, uh, developed Luis Chavez at Pachuca. Um, what's his name? Um, the defender. ¿Cómo se llama el güey? Kevin Alvarez. Kevin Alvarez. Develop him. And, you know, they're developing a lot of great players over there at Pachuca. And, I mean, from someone who actually understands Mexican football, understands these players, I mean, why not? Instead of bringing this, you know, yes, he's not Mexican. He is from Uruguay. But, I mean, he actually understands the league. Why are you going to bring in a stranger to, you know, to, to something he's just not not familiar with at all? I don't know what it is with the Federation looking at these uh, these talents from overseas. Because, I mean, Tata Martino came onto the came onto the spectrum with Barcelona. Mariso Pochettino yeah. came on the spectrum with PSG. I, I honestly, I can't even talk much because I don't even know what they did before that. But that's the first, that was yeah. the first time I heard of them. Um, like, stick to your roots. Understand yeah. that the, the game that these players grew up with and the game that these players are playing with right now is has a certain style of play that you could fi- you could find a great coach to coach them for coach them uh, right there at home. Yeah. Although uh, Almada is from Uruguay, but he fucking loves Liga Mekis. Yeah. And it, it shows with his results and his passion for the the league. They gotta get somebody. They gotta get somebody who understands the league, understands yeah. the federation, understands the country. I hope it's neither of those two you mentioned. And yeah. um, hopefully not. Yeah, let's just. All we gotta do is pray for the best from now on for Mexico. Yeah, nothing's gonna happen. And in, in my eyes, nothing's changing. Mexico will put on another mediocre performance if they get a decent group next World Cup. But who knows? A lot could happen in four years. A lot of players should come up. A lot of players could progress. I guess at this point, you just got to put it all on the players. Like, yeah. for the next World Cup, because nothing's changing, and they all have to adapt one way or another. So Yeah. And, I mean, hopefully by 2026, uh, Santi Jimenez will be a little more developed. Um, Edson Alves is probably going to be hitting prime. his prime. Prime. You know, his European prime. We'll have probably Acevedo at goalkeeper, hopefully by then. Kevin Alvarez is probably going to be at his prime. Uh, It really depends on Vega. Vega or maybe Tecatito Corona come back. We'll see about them. But Vega is probably going to be at his um, uh, prime. Luis Chavez, he's going to start hitting his older or his uh, later. But if you remember in in 2014, Peralta was pushing damn near 30. and uh, Yeah. He he put, put put on a decent World Cup yeah. for his age. I don't know. Um, yeah, this this I guess looking forward is we all got to put the pressure now on the players because we know nothing's changing. It was what I got from this conversation yeah. at least. Yeah, no, pretty much. Yeah, and I mean, we do we have do have a lot of young talent coming up, or not a lot of young talent, but some names have popped up: Marcelo Flores, Diego Lainez. You know, we'll see. What can you do? There's nothing we could do, George. Yeah. And, uh, I think that wraps it up for us here today. We're going to cry for the next four years. Mm-hmm. We should, uh, we should, I don't know. We should take a lot from this World Cup and understand yeah. that Mexico is not the, the powerhouse of the CONCACAF like how we used to think. No. What were you used maybe, to watching growing up? Maybe I should just be the coach. 
<laughs> yeah, we'll see about that. But now, um, we'll be back on what Friday? Friday or Friday? Well, I hopefully have it uploaded early Saturday for everyone to enjoy yeah. and uh, hear our preview, our predictions, and yeah. to see where we went wrong on when we predicted yeah. group winners uh, on yeah. the first episode. Yeah. So, uh, so Friday we'll go over the rest of the matches, see who qualified, who didn't, and then Saturday, um, the stars and stars and stripes are playing against the Netherlands. Against Saturday the Dutch. Morning. Against yep. the Dutch. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see. So, and, uh, rooting on, rooting on for the stars and stripes yeah. uh, from here on out. Hopefully, they have something. They give us something to be proud of. Yeah, and then a um, couple other surprises in the groups. The other groups, there has been some surprises. There but, has been. Yeah, we'll keep we'll you guys into we'll detail. You, yeah, about that on Friday. So, so yeah, we'll hear you'll hear back from us on Saturday when the podcast is uploaded from Friday night. Um, hope to have you guys tune in, and uh, thanks for tuning in to this emergency podcast. Y'all be safe. Empieza la fiesta.